37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. The kids kept us up all night inventing, so we're holding back the yawns as we discuss classic number 47, 2007's Meet the Robinsons. I'm just not sure how well this podcast was thought through. I'm Chris Fletcher. Keep moving forward. I'm Lucy Rain. You are a special kid. Hello, I'm Hugh Rain. We haven't really thought what to do with that bit of time there, have we? No, it's like a Sondheim musical, how he just he just leaves little moments where there's not enough time to do anything, so the, the actors just end up sitting there. We'll always find time to, uh, to critique Sondheim, Chris. I do apologise. We listened to Sondheim today in the car, and I said, the thing about Sondheim is, if you get it right, it sounds mm. like you're singing it wrong, because suddenly the key will change, <laughs> and to the uninitiated, they'll just think, what? Uh, does he not know the tune? Mm. Anyway, I, yeah. What about this? These visuals? Hey, it's the new look. Well, this is why we should just, on that bit, we should all plant our popcorn. Yeah, I've, I've noticed something, by the way. Now, j- just a really quick thing, just so that everybody watching knows, um, Hugh and Lucy can't actually see this happening oh, right now. A lot of the people listening can't issues. see it either. And the people listening can't see it at all. So we've but, got a new, uh, a new screen for the uh, YouTube Viewers, yes, and um, we're we're in uh, we're in the cinema, which is quite nice with with some friends. Yes, um, in and around. Now, the interesting thing for Hugh and Lucy to know, and I think Hugh might well have done this on purpose. I, I don't know, but um, right behind me mm-hmm. is Minnie Mouse, and when I'm sat normally, I have most definite mini ears going. Yeah. On. <laughs> have you got the bow as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that was uh, beautifully played. Once it was intentional, but as I made it, I thought that might happen, and I thought, well, that wouldn't be so bad. Um, I'm also. I'm noticing a few favourites around well, as well. I want people to uh, to spot every single character, name every single character in the cinema with us. Excellent. In the shadows. There's also a nice bit of um, of JJ uh, Abraham style lens flare going on as well. Yeah. <laughs> I got that as a. Uh, I could have made it on Photoshop or you know whatever, but I I just got it as a transparent PNG off uh, nice. Google Images. <laughs> Beautiful. Excellent. <laughs> This well, is it's, funny it's talk. lovely, and I feel very at home here. I don't know about you guys, but... This I'm is like when I crack scene. out the spreadsheet talk, and you two zone out. It's like, hmm, yeah. that's fun. Okay. So, so, meet the Robinsons. Yeah, well, you know, to showcase the new look, 37 industry, what a film to <laughs> to do that with. <laughs> meet the Robinsons. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a film that holds a, a place in my heart, because I... Uh, uh, when, when Lucas was very little, I had a uh, you know a thing on a morning. We get up and we watch a kids' film, and uh, this was one of the ones that I wanted to watch because I hadn't seen it. So um, we, I tried to watch it on many many occasions and got a little bit of the way through, a bit more of the way through. As he got ho- got older, I tried to get him to watch it again. So I've actually watched this film a lot, and I have quite fond memories of it. So I was very excited to uh, to be watching this film again. Now that's interesting. Oh. This when we started this podcast. Is it like 18 months ago now? Do yeah, well, it's, two years. It, it, recording two years ago, in terms of it actually being broadcast, it's just short of two years. 
Right. So when we started this podcast two years ago, um, I think I counted seven films I'd never seen out of all the mm. classics because I'm a big Disney fan. And most of them were in the war years and then the rest were all here. So the wild... What did we do last? Chicken Little. Dinosaur? Mm-hmm. No, I'd seen Dinosaur. Okay. I worked at the Disney store and Dinosaur was oh, out. Oh, she talked I very was, passionately about that at the time, yeah, I remember. I was flooded with Dinosaur at the time. <laughs> and um, and this, and I'd never seen it. <clears throat> now, I just, there's a presumption in my mm. head that if it's escaped me, it's because it's poor. So, yeah, and I sat down with it, because uh, I really didn't like Chicken Little. I'm sorry, guys, but I didn't. And then I thought this was going to be similar, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. Huh. I think I've found hmm. a new film here. I'm not going to say it's Muppets Christmas Carol. But <laughs> what <I> is? <laughs> the Muppets oh, are Christmas Carol. <laughs> Muppets are the Christmas Hang on, Carol. You added, a, you added a, an A in there as well. Hang on, I need we're, to get this right. Let's, wait, we're, yeah, okay. You've got to get this right. <laughs> the Muppets. Muppets <laughs> are Christmas. A Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, no. Lucy. <laughs> I can't do Listen it. Listen carefully. Go on. The Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Now, now say it, Lucy. Say it right. She can't. <laughs> I can't. I wasn't listening. The Muppet A Christmas Carol. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the Ah. The Muppets at Christmas Carol. Oh, oh dear, we're going to leave that one there. Now, my my experience of this is the opposite to Lucy. I was very much looking forward to it, as I often do with ones I haven't seen before, and that this is mm. one of them. Um, but I was thoroughly unengaged throughout. Oh, well, that's fun. Well, so I guess we'll get talking to, about that in a minute, but Lucy, do you want to... Lucy, oh, I have to nod the opposite way. Luke. It's time to dig a little deeper to learn some Disney stuff. Dig a little deeper, no, we ain't dug this far enough. Dig down deep into the facts, we'll find out what we need. Lucy will school us, guaranteed. Open up the windows, let in the light. Children. Fact is well, isn't it? <laughs> right, so it was released in 2007 and it was the 47th Disney animated classic. It is 47th now, Chris, isn't it? Yes, we're, we're back in line now. We're back in line with yeah. the countries. Okay, mm. it was loosely based on a 1990 book, A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William mm-hmm. Joyce. We'll come back to William Joyce shortly, but I didn't even know it was based on a book. Um, it was directed by Stephen Anderson, who also vote, uh, voiced Bowler Hat Guy, Bud mm-hmm. Robinson and Tallulah Robinson. Mm-hmm. And there were several writers involved in it, including Don Hall, who went on to co-direct Moana and Rhea and The Lost Dragon. Yeah. Um, but he also voiced the gym coach and Uncle Gaston. So there's a lot of kind of in-house voicing going on there. Saving some money. One more writer that's worth mentioning is Nathan Green, who went on to direct Tangled. Good work, Nathan Green. Mm -hmm. Um, 
The production began in June 2004 with a 2006 release in mind. Um, Steve, Stephen Anderson was storyboarding and story developing it, but he requested to direct it because he felt a personal connection as he uh, was adopted. So he grew up adopted. So he felt a personal connection with Lewis. Um, now, Joyce, William Joyce, who wrote the original book, he was also an illustrator and he had become a, um, a filmmaker after developing robots for Blue Sky. Um, <clears throat> that explains the robot in this. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, he, he, he also did concept art for Toy Story and Bugs Life as an illustrator, which is how he made the leap into film to start with. And he would go on to one of his most popular series of books was uh, Guardians of the Children, which would go on to beco become Rise of the Guardians. So he's actually quite prolific in the children's book to animated film, Leap. Um, but the Disney initially went with Joyce's illustrations for large amounts of concept art. But once they saw um, robots... It was too similar, so they mm -hmm. they tried to they, they reconcepted it, <laughs> Re reconceived, reconceived <laughs> it, um, but they kept the the fifties vintage aesthetic um, of his books. Mm -hmm. In January two thousand and six, John Lasseter took over as creative director of Walt Disney Animation Studios. And at this point, he saw an early screening of the film. Remember, the film was meant to be released in late 2006. And he said the villain wasn't threatening enough. This prompted, as is often the case with Disney, a full rework. And over the next 10 months, 60% of the film um, had to be scrapped and redone. And the changes included uh, a sidekick, which I'm presuming was um, the hat, uh, a dinosaur chase, complete rework of the bowler hat man as a villain, and um, the ending was totally changed. I'm not sure how they would totally change the ending. They must be talking about details, because the ending is sort of evident in the entire film, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. we'll get to that. Um, the soundtrack was by Danny Elfman, and also featured Jamie Cullum, Ruth, Rufus Wainwright... All American remakes and they might be giants. Rejects. Rejects. All American rejects. Thank you. <laughs> Keep dinging me, boys. I need it. <laughs> and that's all she wrote. Yeah. There we, go. There we are. Mm. That, that's um, fascinating stuff, Lucy. Thank you. <laughs> These, the, the never seems to be. I miss the conflict of the Dark Ages. You know when yeah. Tim Burton was running off and off in a tantrum. Yeah. I I miss all that. It all gets very churn out of filmy at this point, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's also all very, still very recent, isn't it? Which means that there not people haven't written about this period particularly, so you don't get loads of information about it. Yeah, it Certainly doesn't have the, the nostalgia element yet, does it? No. I, I'm not entirely sure it ever will. <laughs> Don't you just long for the wild and the days of Chicken Little? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there must be a generation of kids. Favourite period, hands down. 
Early noughties, <laughs> mid noughties, late noughties. Yeah, loved In it, all loved seriousness, it. if you were seven when this came out, then you, you're just turning 21 now. Is is that generation of kids... This is what happened like, with really... the Star Wars prequels, is they're mm. now, like, you know, getting praise from these kids who grew up with them, and they're, it's their Star Wars films, and they love them. I mean... Yeah, true. As a lot of the listeners know, I have a job where I teach kids all the way from five to 18, and... I'm thinking of the group of kids it would be. I'd never heard them mention Meet the Robinsons. No. <laughs> and some of them were big Disney fans as well because we did a lot of Disney music, Dis- Disney musicals and things like that. And I, ne- I never remember them all. Oh, miss, can we do something from Meet the Robinsons, please? Yeah. I think I when, when I watched it, I just initially with, with Lucas, I just found it quite, I don't know, I quite liked the sentiment of it, I think, and, and that appealed to me. Um, yeah. But... I'll talk more about that when we talk about the story. Because what we're going to do now, mm-hmm. as we always do, is we're going to break the film down into three nice handy sections. We're going to talk about the story. We're going to talk about the animation. We're then going to talk about the music. And that's going to give us a score of 90 because we get 10 points each for each one. And then we have 10 points left. And those 10 points go to the kids. So we're going to talk about the film right now. Today we watched... Meet the Robinsons. It's about a little boy who goes back to the future and he's trying to find his mum. So the story is that there's this boy called Lewis and he's good at inventing and he doesn't have any parents. After the invention is done, Lewis goes to a science fair, but it fails because of a bowler hat guy, and then Will becomes, and the bowler hat guy captures Lewis. The little boy turns out to be his friend's dad. So they got to see all of the parts of Wilbur's family, like all of them, and then because they were from the future... Uh, when did that, his dad came back, they realised that that was Lewis. And then when he went back to the past, there was this girl that teached frog's music and Wilbur's mum teached frog's music, so they were the same, but one of them was older and the other wasn't. So one was from the future and the other wasn't. Lewis went back to the past, basically went and he made Goob, that's his name, Goob, win the baseball one and... Fixed up his invention. There's a plant dinosaur and he turns into a real dinosaur. Lewis got adopted and Goop got adopted, so the end. I don't really have a favourite bit. My favourite bit was at the end when he got adopted and the thing worked. My favourite character is the little evil girl. And I like her because of her face is just like... My favourite character was Lewis. I don't have a favourite song either. Uh, there wasn't really that much songs, so I didn't really like any of the songs. I would give it a two out of five. It's not that good, but I still like it a bit. I would give it a three out of four. I mean, four out of five. Lucas, why isn't Ollie doing anything? Because 
he slept through the like most of it. What score do you think he would have given it? Six out of seven. All of them because <laughs> all of them. Be or like a silly score like six out of seven because that's normally all he does. Yeah. Bye. So there you go. That was yeah. the kids. Two of them. Two out of three of them. Yeah, Ollie, um, Ollie fell asleep, mm-hmm. bless him. Um, he was watching it. I said, are you enjoying this? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm really <laughs> enjoying it. And then literally, it was one of those moments, he just went bang and he was gone. And he woke up at the end of the film and said, can we watch it again? Aww. And I said, yeah, we can watch it again if you want. Of course you can watch it again. That's absolutely fine. Um, and then five minutes later, he said, I'm not going to watch it again and I'm not going to I'm not going to record I'm not going to talk about it yeah. I said can I just record you saying I fell asleep so I didn't watch it went, Bonnie's no. um, Bonnie's finding less and less to say at the moment about these films she's completely unfamiliar with them she's not seen a stitch of, uh, an image yeah. of them she's, so they just she's nothing to say about them I also don't think they're her kind of films no. like knowing what she yeah. gra- gravitates towards they're not her kind of thing we're on the way out now though aren't we we're yeah. on the way out of it all yeah so, should we talk about then? So it's time to discuss the how the story goes. I know it can't be worse than Oliver and Coke. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be. It could be. It could be. It could be. Do you know, I was expecting... I know so little about this film, and I'm getting a bit muddled up here. I was expecting Ty Ty Burrell to appear, uh, but then I realised I was mixing this up with Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Ah, uh, because you mentioned Ty Burrell did last I? week, and I thought I don't yeah. think he's in it. Yeah, so I'm, you did. I'm mixing that up. There's also Jimmy Neutron was uh, a few years earlier than this, wasn't it? Six, seven years early, was it? Yeah, it yeah. definitely has a feel of that um, about it. Yeah. So I was really confused going into it. I must say, anything <laughs> I, I I knew I had not seen any of this film. Some films, Chicken Little, I had seen bits of it when it had been on television. Mm. I knew I'd not seen any of this, but what I did think I saw, I think, is made up of a mishmash of Jimmy Neutron and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, mm. which I quite. Yeah, and also, it, it wasn't looking how I imagined. I was like, what, "What's going on here?" And then they went to the future, and I thought, "Oh, right, mm. now now it's what I imagined." Yeah, I, do you know, as I say, I was really looking forward to watching this film because I have fond memories of it and I just, I don't know why, if I'm, all, if I'm absolutely honest. Th- there's things about it, I do think it's got a nice sentiment and I think the whole idea of, being, of him being left on the orphanage, the way that that starts and the way they bring it round again at the end is is really sweet and it's really nice. Um, and the fact that he finds this belonging when actually he's a bit of an odd bod and he doesn't belong and is entirely on his own in an orphanage inventing PB and J dispensers. Um, uh, I, I like the sentiment, and I do like to jump all the way to the end of it. But I do really like the bit um, at the end where they show him growing mm. up, basically in, in his observatory and stuff. It's a, it's a really nice little montage at the end. Um, but I think it's the beach effect. I've talked about this before. Um, I know, but but the way I feel about the beach is that I think it's a terrible, terrible film. But any time I watch that last scene where they go back about and talk about everything that's happened before when they were happy, I go, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that a good film? I love yeah. that. Vanilla Sky is the same. And this is one of those films for me. I needed to make that point as well, Chris, because that um, that's a Walt Disney quote at the end. For starters, 
Mm. Walt Disney quotes. You know what I mean? Just, uh, um, But also, being a parent of a quickly developing six-year-old, but also being a teacher, the idea of failing forward is something I'm just so passionately believing. And I just drill yeah. into them. And it's always, I don't care how good you are, or I care how hard you practice, or I care how much you improve, or that kind of thing, as opposed to actually achieving things. And it's something I'm so genuinely as a part of my daily life is trying to push this into kids that if you get a film with that as the central message um i was happy about it now the thing is i felt getting there for the first half the entire first half of the film was quite a convoluted slog to get to that message it went around a lot of corners to get there the minute it got the minute he started saying that just keep moving forward and i recognize the quote as well and uh, they're working on that. I was on board then, and I was on board with everything from then on. And I kind of, I saw what, what the twist was going to be with characters and with relationships. But seeing a twist doesn't mean it's a bad twist, I don't think. I don't I don't have to have no, my expectations no. subverted particularly. Well, I didn't, I had no and idea that Goob was the villain. Did you not? Is that, like, is that obvious? Because, like I say, I wasn't very engaged, so, I, you know, I'm kind of... But, like... It, it, it isn't, know. but I would say because his... His wife, when she turns up and there's the frogs, that's really mm. obvious. And then when, when his adoptive mother turns up and she's older, it is just the same woman who was there looking at, at the um, at the science displays. It's just the same woman with grey hair. So those bits are pretty obvious. So you can, you can put two and two together, I think, quite easily. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I don't think it. I don't think it, it's a problem that that you know that you know that those twists are there. And and for someone like Lucas watching it, he he. Uh, he was just um, amazed. He had a massive smile on his face at the end when he saw them all coming together and, and he realised that, oh, that's the girl with the frogs from the, from the start Bonnie of the did. film. Bonnie did. I mean, she, I, he felt like yeah, he didn't it. exactly. <laughs> um, so it really, it really is a tale of two two movies for me in that respect. In that I, I expected to dislike it. I expected to dislike the look of it. And I did for the first mm. 30 to 40 minutes. And then it totally flipped me in the second act. I feel like I glanced away, and then when I looked back at the screen, there was a T Rex, and I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> that did that until, is yeah, that happened. Bonnie summed it up uh, in in the kids bit where she says it was a plant, it was in a plant, and then yeah. it turned into a real dinosaur. But no. I didn't, I missed that. No, it didn't. no, it didn't turn into a real dinosaur. He he said, oh, he saw he saw the the bowler hat, not unlike these Mickey ears, uh, mini ears, um, hovering over the top of the dinosaur, and. Oh, now that's a good idea. And then right. you use the time machine to go back to prehistoric times. Well, I, I thought, but I it thought, did just happen like that. I it thought it must be something to do with the time machine. But then, you know, I'm listening to a, a six-year-old interpretation of it, so I should have taken it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> have you ever played Day of the Tentacle? Uh, a Lucas no, I know of it, but I feel film, like, uh, computer I think game. I have movie. played that. It seems like something you would have played. Actually, it's a bit more like it, it's a sequel to Maniac Mansion, and it's about a guy who's uh, basically, you travel through, you travel through time. You go backwards in time, and you go forwards in time. And eventually, you've got three different characters that you're running. It's a role right, play okay. game, and you have to do all these different things, um, a bit like um, Monkey yeah. Island or something like that. Um, but but the humour in those kind of games is very similar, I thought, to what this was, and the look and feel of it, although much more refined than the pixelated graphics of a of a early '90s mm. role play game. 
feels very similar to me. So that something probably I, I found quite endearing about it was was that um, in tone it was a very similar kind of mm. thing. Mm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy the humour in this. I didn't say enjoy <laughs> the humour. I just I just I found the the tone of it all a bit lame. Uh, they weren't. It was too in your face. Jokes. They were just sort of like uh, humorous interactions where like a character suddenly freaks out and that's hilarious because the character's freaking out. It was all a bit that. It was all very much of of, of the time, I think. It wasn't wasn't witty. Just, yeah. Just it, another thing that wasn't grabbing and, me. I, I know from my past the, the, um, reading on various development of Disney films, when they've got these teams of writers, they've often got one sort of working on story development and then a writer who might be brought on to add humour and they're, they're working on the dialogue and things like that. And they did feel like a bit of a bit of that layering. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't that the, the humour came from the situation or the characters or anything like that. It felt like people were just putting some... Some gags on top. It's like they were waiting for 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 applause and laughter. I, I felt every time a every time a joke mm. gag dropped, it felt like there was a, a a lull in the in the film while you while it was like it was waiting for you to find mm. it humorous, and and I just don't think it would have hit in a theatre. I can't imagine rupturous laughter yeah. every time. Bola Hat guy said something stupid or. Um, a T-Rex went, I've got little arms. And oh, a I found head. that genuinely funny, Chris. That's the only bit that I really found funny because, yeah, he was sort of repeating what the frog had said, um, but he wasn't really saying it. And you look at his face, I quite like that. Sorry. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, mm. I was going to say something. Nice that he went back in time and changed history, though, by helping Goob catch the ball. Mm. Nice. I like a time travel yeah. story. Um, although there was a lot of implausible things and, and people disappearing. There's and going to be reappearing don't, and, don't delve into yeah. it. It's impossible to dissect, particularly at this. And the bowler hat took over the world. That's what I was going to talk about. Now, bowler, the bowler hat guy. Okay, mm. um, as a villain, this was the reworked version. I didn't find him dislikable enough but I also didn't find him sympathetic enough and I think a lot of it was to do with he had a very weak indistinct voice and then when I found out that it was the director rather than a voice actor I mean it's it's not like just getting your mate in to do it I know it's not and often they've got a vision of how they want things said and done and mm. it's competent but it also it does feel like a a less than option to do it yourself, you know, than to really cast it well. Yeah. It needed casting really well, and I just don't feel like it was there. I, I don't have a problem with the with the acting performance particularly, but if he wasn't really the villain, was he? Let's be honest. Mm. The bowler hat was was the villain, and, and but you don't really find that out until later on. And all he was was just a hapless idiot. But it didn't it didn't make sense that he was this hapless idiot when actually. Goob, to all intents and purposes, when they introduced the character, he he was helping Lewis do everything. He was passing everything to him without even thinking about it. He was helpful. He was knowledgeable. He was yeah. clever. He was driven. And then all of a sudden, he's just a. Like, and he was a idiot. bit of a tool to the hat as well. And they could almost have played that up more, so you understood where the power thing was, and then you would have been more sympathetic mm. to him. But yeah, it he he didn't have his own agency, did he? Whereas you write the child character. Um, when he was cross at him for making him tired, and I, I, 
I want to go and do this baseball game. He had his own... He had his own story there. He wanted to do something. He, you know, he wasn't just a hapless idiot, like you say. He was quite a strong character as a child. There was also no physical similarities. I didn't... I didn't. Yeah, well, I can talk about that in animation, I guess, but, yeah, I had a problem with yeah. that across the board with the characters, to it, really. I, I didn't sort of appreciate that he was like some kind of old uh, sort of fairground owner, villain type of character. I don't know, like, it's just such a... Just such a, it's my same uh, feelings about Despicable Me, just that sort of archetype villain. When was like, Despicable Me? It uh, feels like it will have been the same time. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit sure. later, I don't know. But yeah, just, uh, I just just found that, that style of villain very mundane. Mm. He's, he's Waluigi though, really, yeah, he isn't is, he? Yeah, Waluigi. he is, yeah. Waluigi. He's Waluigi. The, the interesting thing is that then... Mario have gone full circle because their most recent proper Mario game, Mario Odyssey, um, you have a character called Cappy in it who's a, a hat, and when you throw the cap onto a T-Rex, you then control the T-Rex, and you can throw it onto a frog mm. as well, and then you control the frog. That's interesting. So, so uh, yeah, it's very interesting. They've definitely just lifted the <laughs> idea from Disney. It's, uh, it was 2010, so it was close, um, but not influenced by... but. I, it didn't occur to me there's big similarities, isn't there? Big similarities there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else to say? Not really. <laughs> um, a couple of nice little cameos. Tom Selleck appearing when they said it was Tom Selleck and then Tom Selleck, and it was Tom Selleck, it was nice-ish, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just, that voice just didn't suit him. Well, no, no it didn't. It, it didn't. Middle-aged man voice. I question why we had to see him at all. Yeah. I don't think there was a need for him to be in it. And let's be honest, in Back to the Future, that would never no, have it worked. Wouldn't. He, could, he couldn't have inter- interacted with himself unless he was he Doc. He taught himself um, who, who can. a lesson, didn't he? Yeah, there's, there's just something not... It didn't, it didn't need it. We knew it was him because we knew that, that they'd recognise the fact that it was him, so we never needed to see the guy. It wasn't important. Mm. Um, and he spoilt it a little bit, especially as, again, <laughs> back to animation, I guess, but... Um, he had the same hair, but apart from that, he, had, he just didn't look the same. He was just a tall version with a long head instead of a little round head. Mm. In summary, in my opinion, the first act needed speeding up and rewriting so that more was going on quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree that there was villain problems. And that's it. Sounds like you're scoring it. Are you scoring it? Well, I would not write that second, but are we all are we ready to score it? Yeah, score it. Yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. Do it, do well, it. I'll go with what I just said. Overall, I found the message endearing. Um, first act rewrite. Didn't like the villain. Needed a bit of work. I'm going to go with a seven. Uh, the, I mean, the story was all right. Uh, it was engaging and appropriately complex for a story set in time. Um, but the humour was a bit pedestrian, and the cast seemed unnecessarily white. Six. Oh, that is interesting, Huey. Mm. I think that I think we've become very conscious of these representation issues mm. recently. I, you know, I, I, I might not have noticed it a few years ago, so, but you know, we're all sort of evolving and learning and looking at it. I just think, wow, why is that? It's you know, it's just just like I say, unnecessarily so. Mm. Yeah. No, it's a fair point actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have really fond memories of this film, as I say, but um. 
and, and I think the story's fine, but that's all it is. It's it's fine. There's a there's a great idea here. I just don't think it's been particularly well executed. Really, um, I'm going to give it a six as well. Mm. Mm. Slow start. Slow start. Animation. So. Yes. Get the animation you, the characterization you, and don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Right. I think this 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 explains why I was unengaged from the off. Is I just immediately the first thing I saw was the characters, and I just thought they were unappealing across the board. I just didn't like the design of them. I thought they were again a bit pedestrian and. Mm-hmm. They, they were stylized, but in, in that sort of dated mid noughties way, that's just a bit boring to look back on. Um, you know, I thought the lighting was mundane. Uh, you know, so f- from the start, I was just going, "Do I want to spend any time in this world?" Although, well, I'll come on to that in a bit. I'm I'm with you entirely. My my big frustration is is the fact that the grown-up versions of them, they felt the need to disguise them enough that so that you didn't clock on to the fact that it was people that you'd already seen, which is a stupid thing to do because people don't change that much. And when, when they show Goob growing up and, and his actual change and he's sat there on that bed, it's just unrealistic. Yeah. It's, just, it, it, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde transformation. It's just stupid. It's the, um, so that really frustrated me. The body me. shape and everything. I know it was a child to a man, yeah. but this whole... Skinny legs, big square shoulders, hunchback. I mean, where did that Hook suddenly nose. come from? Makes it no sense. It doesn't, just doesn't make any sense. And, and that's really frustrating to me. Um, it yeah. was the look of it that uh, put me off before I watched it. Now, I like my films to have a real um, concrete look, like right from the movie poster. You look at a movie poster, there's a colour scheme. Mm. You know, there's a real, there's a feel for everything. And you get it with films like Raya that we've watched recently. You get that sense just from the movie poster. And this just seemed a mishmash mm. immediately. And my first thoughts was, oh, this is back in the days when they couldn't do human faces. You know when CG just couldn't do human faces. And then I was doing my reading and my research and I realised that Incredibles was three years before this. Yeah. Right. Now, this is it. The, the, night I, and this, day. This keeps coming up when I'm watching them. I'm thinking, oh, this is all right. And then I think, hang on, what has Pixar done so mm. far? And it's just a different league. And the reason I chose, uh, was looking at Incredibles was because of the 1950s futuristic thing, which I am all about. I love a bit of atomic design and all that stuff. And um, yeah, when yeah. me and Bonnie were talking about it, she said, I've nothing to say. And I said, just say you like the mum's dress. Because <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I just love that style and the hair flicks and all that, the Judy Jetson thing right up my street for something that's meant to be a bit futuristic. And I was trying to think, what else is like that? And I'm thinking Municiburg and, again, it's atomic design that's going on in The Incredibles, isn't it? Mm. Um it just wasn't a patch. Now, I like that they tried and I like that those nods were made, but it just wasn't achieved in the same way. And I think that from essentially the same studio, I know we can talk about the politics of Disney Pixar, but from the same studio, there'd been this amazing example of exactly what they were trying to achieve. And it just makes it all the more stark that they didn't achieve it. 
Did you see when she, like right at the start, the um, the baby's put on the thing and and on the on the doorstep, and she went to pick mm. it up, and she had fingers without with the lines where fingernails start, but no fingernails. Just it, it was <laughs> like you, oh, I know what you mean. Could see the. It's like the oh well, we don't have to do nails yet, so we're not mm. going to do that. We'll just we'll just nod towards it, and then the baby's eyes shut as well. I mean, it's a really basic thing, but it was just a line for the shut eyes, and it just it just looked wrong. Um, yeah, I was thinking about Incredibles a lot as I was watching it, because but my my impression of it was they're trying to do the Incredibles here, they're trying to do that, and and it just seems ludicrous to me that um, they are effectively the same place now, and uh, and yet they're that far apart. I mean, it's- too many, too many to colours for one. Too many colours when you're trying to do that kind yeah. of thing, and it was just a mis, yeah. mismatch mesh. What got me through uh, this because I wasn't really enjoying it was the fact that it was a sunny setting and it was sunny outside today. Mm. You know that goes a long way with me. You know, <laughs> mm. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I felt kind of optimistic, <laughs> and like, what, what, you know, yeah. when they got into the future, uh, I did like the look of it because it was bright and it was blue skies and sunny. Because you know, often you get the future; it's just all cityscapes and. You know, nighttime and yeah. neon, and it was a nice, bright, daytimey film, and I, I do appreciate that. There's a place for that. Um, it genuinely like a, a nice, nice location to spend time in. But you know, when they crash the ship outside the city, um, they land in this like field, and it's just uniform dark green across everything, and it looked so boring. And you just think, you know, they they could have they could, they could have very easily mixed up, you know, put some shades in there, and it's just this flat green colour across dark green across everything, as far as you can see, uniform, boring, 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 and what a shame. Do you know what I thought? It's really interesting you bring up that shot and you describe it in that way because there's quite a few shots that you know when you see CG animation that hasn't um, been rendered and. They, they haven't well. put the, cause <laughs> you see what Pixar do, and it never fails to amaze me how many processes it goes through. They put yeah, the pause yeah. on the face, they put the lighting on, they put the this, they put the that, you know, and it gets all these lights. There was some that looked like they still had a couple of jobs left to do. Somebody hadn't finished doing the lighting or somebody hadn't finished adding a texture. It just looked unfinished, and that's a really good example. Like Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, or like, you know, PJ Masks, you know, like any sort of kids mm. animation now. But they've got the, budget and time issues. Everything's this really doesn't. plasticky and like everything, yeah. like, you know, they go to like a desert, but it's just like this sort of smooth surface with like maybe a rock here or there. And you just think, I oh, just, come on, want a bit of texture and some detail. It just looks so there. Uh, it's flumph. But, but then we absolutely laid into the wild in our last oh, it's show. Not wild, and if you think about the settings no, but if you think about the settings there, in some respects they look oh, better. Yeah. yeah. Um you know? No, you might be right, Chris, actually. Mm. It was the dead eyes in the wild. Uh, the, the animation wasn't good in this either though. The, like, you know it almost had nothing going for it. <laughs> like you could sometimes you think, well at least the animation was, was, was tight and solid, but it was very sluggish. I found uh, a lot of the movement yeah. and that that old man of uh, forget you know with a with a drawing on the back of his head. Um mm. Good. Mm. First of all, his voice was too young, but um, oh his voice was too young. But that was the writer. But Don't he, do yeah, your own voices, yeah, guys. But he just looked weird and creepy, and uh, his movements were bizarre. 
You know, just, no, that, there was too much of that. That was not the writer, mm-hmm. that was the director, Stephen Anderson, played mm. Bud. Oh, dear. I know, <laughs> I know he tried. No, it's... um. Do you score I, it? I yeah. just, it could have been done so much better. If it, Do you know what? If this mm. film looked iconic, because the story did get me, it did get, despite faults, it got me, and if it had looked iconic, I think I could have been really sold on it. But it looked poor. Okay. Score? I'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, middle go of the road character design, uh, sluggish animation, but some nice locations. So six. Um, I'm just looking at my notes. I've really got not much to say. It feels like um, the uh, the the video bits in between a computer game um, are not a very good one to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a six. So much potential, such poor execution. That that's my thoughts throughout, and so I'm going to go five. <laughs> Music. Danny Elfman. We are going to talk about the music. Rate the songs and score the incidental bits. Yes, Danny Elfman. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> I don't think this is top of Danny Elfman's CV. No, I, I was almost excusing it. I thought, um, I knew it was Danny Elfman, so I was kind of listening to the score and thinking, yeah, that's... That's Danny Elfman doing his thing. That's fine. But really, is there anything special? I don't think so. That All American Rejects song is terrible. Which one was that? The the one in the titles at the end. Right. right. Um, and uh, now, just just on your point before about um, failing forward, Lucy, um, we had a conversation in the car the other day because Try Everything from uh, Zootopia, Zootropolis, came mm. on. And so I was talking to Lucas about this and saying, you know, how important it is that, that you're open to failing and things. And I actually thought at the time, this would have been a far better song to have been in that montage at the end of the film than the one that mm. was in there. Yeah, but would we have accused it of being too literal, though? Because we've, <laughs> we've had that... I don't, I don't know. I, I think the thing for me about the music here is it's all... All right, but it feels like again, like like they had a budget um, and it wasn't too great, so they went for second-rate versions of decent songs instead of going for music that would have worked. Like putting, just it all fell apart. I recognise Jamie Cullen yeah, straight Jamie away. Jamie Cullen um, was he thought, like? Uh, I mean, <laughs> was he just hot at the time? So they chucked him in because there just seemed to be no point other than like he was a hot new thing. <laughs> Let's find him something to do, you know, give him a singing frog bit. Thing is, Jamie Cullum, I used to listen to his radio show on a Tuesday I night. I like the guy, but it's, yeah. it's no, well, po- no point to have been in this but film. But he is, he's not, he's not Michael Bublé, he's not a crooner, he is an exceptional jazz musician. Ex- he's one of, he did he's have one a... of those just next level improv, underst- understands music, but his popular stuff is crooner stuff, it is... Jamie Cullen, Michael Bublé, and I'm disappointed when I see him do that because I, for a while I became such a big fan. Not that I'm not now, but mm. I did. I got into him quite a bit, and it, 
I, I feel he's one of those massively underrated things. And this was a prime example of what you got Jamie Cullum on board and that's all you did. Because he could have he could have mixed that entire section. That song was written by Rufus Rain, Wainwright, but it was sung by Jamie Cullen, and it was very bland. And I feel like, could you mm. not have given him a bit of free reign with that? That could have been an amazing centrepiece. You sound very hipster right now, Lucy. Oh, do I? <laughs> I don't, I've never really understood no, I completely hipster, agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it just... No, I, I'm, I'm completely on yeah, your side could have been, That could have been a real cent, set piece, that, with the frogs mm. and the, the big band and, mm. and all the music that came with it. They could have had their own themes. and It was very underused, I felt. And it, yeah, it, it was a bit like the music in Chicken Little, really, yeah, it wasn't was. it? Just like oh, it, it wasn't. Let's let's find some songs yeah. that like, oh, let's write some songs that that explain what's happening at this moment in time. It's just it's going through um, a, and they're a little bit catchy. Period, just going through a weird phase of just. Uh, oh, mind you, I'm saying that, but like, you know, Lion King had Elton John, and he was, uh, you know, he was, uh, you, you, that whole nineties period. You know, we keep saying what what's with all these like. Irrelevant old musicians, uh, but yeah. now at least they're, they're trying to be modern. Yeah, now we go. Why have they got? Ja- but then, yeah. but then, have they got Jamie? I Columbia? think it turns out if you get like someone who's perhaps considered a bit past the prime doing a Disney soundtrack, they they, they have more opportunity to be timeless because they're out of time mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Um, whereas this just instantly dates it. It ties exactly to when it was made, and they can't escape that. And you just don't. You just don't want to listen to it, do you? You don't think, oh, I'm right in the mood for some... No. 2000, what's this, 6, 7? 2007, Rufus Wainwright. Mm. Maybe maybe you are, maybe you are, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I was surprised when I found out it was Danny Elfman. I didn't know it was. And about two-thirds of the way through the film, because we are watching it to talk about it on the podcast, I thought, I haven't noticed the music at all. I need to listen to the music. And there was a few kind of quite good incidental bits, but I wouldn't have noticed them if I wasn't listening. And and then I forgot again, and then I thought, oh, I'm still not listening to music. Now, the thing is with Danny Elfman is I've sometimes felt like his music is too overpowering in a film. His melodies are too memorable and too... Yeah, you really feel it there. And I, I just didn't feel its presence particularly. Yeah. Mm. No, so, I agree. That's mm. all I have to say. Wow. Are we done with that? <laughs> I think so. I'm just trying, I'm trying to decide what how I want to score it. Um, I, I thought it was bland throughout. Um, and uh, there's, there's little to write home about. I'm going to give it a four. I'm... I've said everything I need to say. I'm going to give it a five. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, you're not going to be popping this on in the car, are you? No. Ever. Um, I give it a five. I mean, there's nothing offensively go. bad. You know, like in the wild when no. they started playing clocks as they came out of a tunnel. Oh, I was... forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would you bring well, that there was, up? There was nothing like that that made me go, it's getting a two, <laughs> this is terrible. But there was certainly nothing to give it more than a five, I don't think. I've tied the scores up already. So Right, you, well, you, let me you tell you. Tell us the IMDb's, Yeah, I am. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Um... Okay, it's not glowing, guys. So the it had a budget of 150 million. It made 169 million, which yes is a profit, but it's not a Disney profit particularly. It's you know, I mean, if you work that in percent, it's pretty small. 
Um, mm. 19 million. Love. So, the IMDb score is often 7.2, 7.3. This was 6.8, so it's a little under the wire there. A bit higher than the oh, last few, though, isn't it? higher than both the last two, which were... Going in the right direction. poor. And then, yes. I think that's <laughs> where my score feels. <laughs> Not good, <laughs> but it's better than the last two. And then Rotten Tomatoes was uh, 76 from the... Cr- sorry. 67 from the critics, very tired. And then from the audience, it was 74. Lukewarm at best. Hmm. Um, right. I forgot The Wild got the lowest score we've ever done, didn't it? It did, it got 20-something. It 20 got 32, something. the new lowest oh, score after uh, White, right. 37 of uh, Oliver & Co. Um, now, this, yeah. quite appropriately, is one less than, where was it, uh, Chicken Little... One less than Ooh. Chicken Little. Uh, one more than the Star Wars Holiday Special, which I'm sorry to Aww. sorry to hear, actually. Um, mm. I'll just put you out of your misery. It's 56 out of 100. 56? I am a little... Well, I mean, I scored it quite harshly. I gave it five in both of things. It's you... the same as Toy Story 4. No, it's better than Toy Story 4. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I can't is. judge Toy Story for. I just can't judge it. I don't. I don't accept its existence. No. Um, I thing is, I will happily watch this again. I feel like I found a new Disney film that I like, and I will watch. The animation's terrible, and the music was nothing. But the story and the characters and the sentiments, I'll continue to watch it. Whereas Chicken Little and The Wild, mm-hmm. I'm quite disappointed it's below Chicken Little because I will never watch those two films again if I can. I get that. It's only four lessons, Saludos Amigos. We, we mustn't have a lot Saludos Amigos. 60. Maybe we should go back and start all over again and score <laughs> them again. some of those <laughs> were difficult, though, because if you break them, the, the more than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And unfortunately, we just judge the parts. <laughs> does that make sense? Mm. Coming all together. I feel yeah, like Meet does. the Robinsons is more than the sum of its parts. Any favourite bits? Um, oh, I don't. By the way, <laughs> no favourite bits. I, I, just just the montage at the end, and he, even though I've just slated the music, even with that music, and it's quite it's I'm, nice. It's I'm quite just going nice. to tease before people start like dropping off because we're winding up that we do have uh, an extra feature coming up because we got asked um, some questions about the three of us. Origin star. We did. We'll yeah. come on to that in a moment, but yeah, just you know, because we're just kind of going, uh, we're just petering out. But yeah, we've got some more stuff coming. <laughs> I'll tell, I tell you what my favourite bit was. My favourite bit was when he finally got to go and see who his mum was and he decided not to do it because he didn't mm. need to. I thought that was a, a lovely, lovely moment that he suddenly realised he'd got a place, he'd got mm-hmm. a family, he'd got a future and and I mean, uh, he didn't need Chris, to know who his mum was. You're stepping all over the cry factor here. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely beautiful. I don't know why they just can't be together. <laughs> Hugh's cry factor. Yeah, um, I did get up to a two. I mean, there was nothing right up till the end, but I got up to a two when Lewis realised he, he already had a family. I'm like, oh, okay, that's you know, that's nice. Um, but then that blooming Walt Disney quote just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sucker punches you. I'm not going to go crazy, <laughs> but it was a good three. That was my favourite bit you didn't ask, but the quote at the end. It, like, it made the film worth it. It did that thing where it shows you the quote 
and then it erases most yeah. of it, and it just leaves, just leaves up the, a bit of the salient on. points. What, what, what's the bit it left up like? Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward, and you're like. <laughs> But he did say keep moving forward forty but times yeah, in what's a annoying is at one point in the film. <laughs> how it can do that? How a film that I didn't enjoy, didn't feel much emotional attachment to at all, and then it just pops up a Disney quote at the end with a bit of sad music, and I go, "Oh, that was nice." It's the beach factor. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm dubbing <laughs> yeah. it the beach factor. It, it is. It's a thing. Do you know what's the opposite <laughs> of beach factor? Sorry to go off on one now. Have you ever seen AI? Oh, I knew that was coming. Oh, I haven't oh, I'm seen AI, no. cross about that film. It's a brilliant <laughs> film and it should have ended 20 minutes before it ended and then the last 20 minutes ruin everything you've seen for the other two hours. I won't ruin it for you, Chris. You might want to watch it. That's a bit like the last Lord of the Rings film, isn't it? Where, like, it, it finishes and then there's a whole hour of them Oh, yeah. Home. Well, that's the book. <laughs> have you read Lord of the Rings? That's the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I've read the second book. Yeah. There's a lot of events. We had a couple of um, messages on Twitter. We put the call out to, you know, what people uh, thought. Girl Reliable, Caitlin Jackson, once again, said, um, it has been quite a while since I've seen this one, but I remember having a a heartfelt and optimistic message. I mean, it does quite literally have a message at the end. Uh, The animation style isn't Mm -hmm. my favourite. Bob Sangwell said, not keen on the animation style. So it's funny that people are all pointing out the animation style. Um, But Mm -hmm. love the Todayland reference. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. We didn't that. even mention yeah. that, yeah. And the story is okay, if a little convoluted, but Walt's keep moving forwards attitude at the end is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much summed up exactly yeah. what we yeah. said about it. I like that they talk about not liking the animation style, style yeah. as if there is a style yeah. to that animation. <laughs> I think that's the problem. There isn't, and there could have been. It's just mundane. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. Hugh... Tell us about about your, your you've teased something and now we're in a position to to follow through do it. it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Mercedes from Chat Disney. Uh, she, she just she wanted to ask us a few questions uh, about mm. um, well, like our origin story, really, our Spider-Man origin story. <laughs> so I was bitten by a radioactive Chris a few years ago. No. Um, so I've got four questions here. Um, I'll read them all because they might they might be a bit of overlap. Okay. How yeah. did Hugh and Lucy meet yep. Chris? We have Ooh, to do that one. in a different order. When did Hugh and Lucy meet and how? Why 37 Disney Street? And uh, how old are the children? Well, we can start... That, that's an easy one. The children, uh, Bonnie's six. Yes. Lucas is... Lucas is... He's seven. He's eight next nearly month. Nearly eight. And Ollie is four. And Ollie's four. Just four. Yeah. Can I start the origin story with how... Me and Chris met first, which I know isn't the order that it went, but this is chronological. I feel like, I, I think it's a good idea, this, but I feel like that we have three meeting stories. Yeah. yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, I met Chris before Lucy. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let me do it. Let's go chronological. Yeah, Let's go chronological. Yeah. Go. So, you go. Um, I'm a dance teacher. I own a dance school. Before that, my mum owned the dance school, and uh, Chris's parents are very very big in the local amateur dramatics his mum's very talented performer kind of a big deal they are a big deal his <laughs> they're dad... like the sopranos of amateur <laughs> dramatics 
he dad directs a lot of things and basically before either yeah. of us were born they'll, I believe they'll offer you a part you can't refuse my mum was choreographing <laughs> well I know she choreographed your mum in Hello Dolly when your mum was Dolly and that, that wasn't before that I was born that wasn't before you were born then no <laughs> I was born in London so oh, I, I, okay, I was then. born no it wasn't before you were born it was before, before they moved I was north. born so yes. I don't remember meeting Chris I want to do that thing where I say I've always known Chris but that kind of what it feels like the time when I can say for definite is when I was about 11 and you were about 14 we were in um Treasure Island together we I think were, that's yeah. the first time we were in things like actually working working together but I think mm. we must have known each other longer than that but there is an age difference. My, my, that's my first memory of, of, me of as a person. knowing you was, was then. And then I didn't know you for a long time. And then uh, a couple of years later, and then well, no, actually, we did probably a, few a year shows later, I joined the arts because group. Because we did, we did June, right, basically, how much older than me are you? Four years. No, three years older than me. Because you're yeah. two years. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Simon is a year older than me, and that's Chris's brother. And I actually yes. knew Simon a yes. lot better. I think we're we... getting into territory okay. that the audience don't yeah, care I think, about. I think me and Chris need to get this out, though. <laughs> me and Simon were in the same, same year, Dad Juniors, but you were on a Friday night because you were a different book. So we we, yeah. we stayed in contact all through Dag Juniors because we there was quite a lot of stuff going on. You were in John Durnley's yes, I was. class, weren't you? Which was the year, which was the year group below me and oh, Sai. Right. Okay. And this guy, John Durnley, I met in Hull. Totally. Independent separately. of all of this, I randomly <laughs> met him in Hull. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's so. It's all really so. Yeah. Basically, me and Chris, it just time immemorial kind of mm. thing. Right now, Chris and yeah. Hugh. Well, I know I School? I I, I had, my story of this is uh, was disputed by Chris for, for a bit. Um, because I went to school with Chris's younger brother, Simon. Uh, I had a couple you of did. classes with him. I know I had French. I might have had maths with him. Um, oh, no. We definitely had geography. He was called Wiggy at school. Oh, oh I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> actually, I remember, him be, I remember <laughs> your brother being friends. geography because my, my friend Chris was very competitive and uh, he realised that he couldn't beat your brother in geography assessments. So one day he said to me, he went, <laughs> you, beat Simon for me. <laughs> and I actually did, and then for the rest of the school, like the the the, the GCC period, I all I always got top marks because I just thought, all right, I'll try. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, I love that. So sign motivated well, indirectly being to apply being yourself competitive better. and a bad sportsman. Um, but we were once in the, this club called the Frontier, and I was with my friend Johnny, and Johnny lives down the road from you. So he said, "Oh, there's uh, there's Chris Fletcher, Simon's brother." So we went over and we talked to you for a bit and I didn't really know you. Um, and because you'd come back from London or maybe you were still at uni or something, you kept saying, mm. oh, it's a London thing, isn't it? And then like... You, you were cool when you were 19, And Chris. years later... Years later, I said to Chris, oh, yeah, I met you in the frontier and you were saying, it's a London thing. And you were saying, what? I, I don't think so. And I said, no, you were because we, <laughs> we, we quoted it for quite a while afterwards. Um, but other than that, we, yeah, then we started to just bump into each other in the pub, didn't we? Like towards well, the I, end. I think I, yeah, I, I think that that I um, I started going down to the to the West Riding, which is like was the local pub that Hugh and Lucy could always be fond of. Um, but I think I actually started hanging around with Lucy's 
brother. Did you? And <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and and Mike. Um, so, and, and I think that was because of John. John Durnley. I have a feeling. I don't know why, but but yeah, I think I'd gone down there for a drink would, with John Durnley This once, sounds like a really small town, doesn't it? I know. It's, it's not that small. This is all really coincidental. Here's the thing, though. Um, sometimes the, the theatre, uh, the Fletchers would come into the West Riding afterwards for a drink, yeah. and I would talk to you sometimes, and I would... Because I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd had a few, I'd go, oh, I want to get involved in this. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd think, no. And your mum would just say, well, just become a member. And I'd go, oh, yeah, okay. And the next day I'd think, no, no, I can't. And then one day we went out for Simon's birthday, the aforementioned Simon, your brother, in Leeds. Mm. And you came up to me and you said, um, I'm desperate. I'm trying to cast f- uh, four guys in a play <laughs> and you know, around about the same age. And I, we don't have enough. Do you want to audition? And I got the part in that, and you directed it, and that was my first ever play, which has changed my life, Chris. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. I changed your, I changed your life in terms of this. Sai so changed your life indirectly by making you apply yourself <laughs> in um, geography. Just look yeah. at the influence that we've had on you guys, and and my, my dad father, put me in my first musical, uh, directed Lucy in something where she had to sing about premature oh, ejaculation. God, so, that was awful. Know, all... No, it wasn't. It was a really good musical. <laughs> But, um, it, yeah. What was it called? Saturday, Saturday night. night. Slice, Slice of Saturday, Saturday night. night. It was very explicit. Mm. Mm. He also he cast... So yeah. there you are. We've, we've always been we've, there. We just, we just didn't kind of, know it. I think that's, that's the story. There's a triangle here, of really. coincidences. Now, Hugh and I met completely independent of Chris. Um, <laughs> Can you believe that? I know. It sounds like Chris <laughs> should have introduced us, doesn't it? Yeah, which one of my relatives it was, did it do this? It wasn't even a factor in it. <laughs> Um, my friend from Sixth Farm was attempting to date his friend from his Sixth Farm and they worked in Halfords together. And um, the, it, it was a bit, oh, Lucy, oh, he's invited me to the pub, he's invited me to the pub, but will you come with me because I'm nervous? And then um, he, so she took me along and he took him along and we ended up getting together. And they didn't. Well, no, well, they, they, did. they did. They did. But then but they broke they up. They broke up for um, a but few we, months. We, 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 were, we were wingmen. We were wingmen. And we fell in love. So it wasn't no. so much a blind date. I don't think we were intended no, no, no. to be set up. But I, we were both wingmen. I, I, didn't, I didn't go knowing that there was a girl there that I was to distract. No. She, uh, there was a few people there. I think Stuart was there. Stuart was there. Uh, you know, there was a few people there. So, yeah, it's kind of funny that we were wingmen and then we got together. Yeah. I feel like I'm in between you both now, and and I want you to be able to like affectionately Aww. touch each other. But you, but Hugh, you'd have to reach an arm through no, my body to uh, to embrace. Don't break the illusion. <laughs> no, so right. that's that's how. So hang on, I must clarify. It's, it's quite confusing chronologically. Bunch of stories. That this whole thing about Hugh getting involved in the arts group is about we'd been together about eight years by then, hadn't we? That was yeah. twenty late twenty ten. And I think there was also a big event of surprise where we both realised we both knew you as well. <laughs> I think that must have happened when some, somebody walked into a bar and we're like, oh, you know you know him, you know him. Yeah. There you go. The, I, I, I knew Hugh from school. I mean, I, I didn't know him, know him, but I yeah, knew Yeah, aware him. of him. And, and I'd seen him about and that. Also, but, your uh, old yeah. housemate was in my class at school. <laughs> ben. <laughs> Yeah, just it's all it's a it's a little web. And the guy that you're going to to America with and his family, he went to Hull University. He as well, did. Didn't he? he did. 
He didn't go at the same time, though. He's a bit older than us as no, well. No, not at the same time. Did he go to Hull and we went to Lincoln, though? Yeah. We were at the School of ah, Art okay. and Design. But, but he, he was in Hull anyway. Uh, the last question, yeah. Chris. Uh, why 37 mm. Disney Street? That's an easy one. <laughs> um, I had a I had a massive list. I, I wrote them all down what, somewhere a while potential ago. Potential names. The, the list of names that oh, were suggested. I, yeah. Can I just say my defence here? They were great. Oh, here we go. I've got a lot. Okay, I've got let them all me here. say my defence though, because I we, we were trying to come up with a name and no one was coming up with any suggestions. And I just decided one morning I'm mm. going to sit down and I'm going to come up with fifty suggestions. Now this is a technique they use on The Apprentice, and you know that forty nine of them are going to be S H I T. So. Mm-hmm. I apologise in advance. Uh, I'm only going to read a few okay. out, but you'll, you'll get the idea. Talk through Disney. Walk through Disney. Talk <laughs> is the chat Disney? I think there probably is. Down with Disney. Down with uh, Disney and chill. <laughs> uh, the Discast. Jiminy Crickets. Oh, no, Jiminy's Crickets, sorry. An ounce These of mouse. Band names. I know. The Waltinators. <laughs> uh, Disney Street. <laughs> Um, just another Disney podcast. Uh, what else? Of Cabbages and Kings. I think that was my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> of Cabbages and Kings. And I put, it's a podcast after all as well. That was my other suggestion. Do you know what I'm good at? I, I'm, so, I'm yeah. very good at um, naysaying suggestions, but not coming up with anything. Yeah, but, you are. But, no, but, but, oh, yeah, no, but you're what very I am good at that, yeah. doing is championing something when I go, wait a minute, there's something there. Yeah. So we came up with this yeah. concept that we live in a house and we were going to sort of, the initial uh, concept was we were going to play more on the fact that We've just watched it in the living room. The kids you know, are up in the nursery. The are, well, yeah, that's still kind of true, isn't it? You know, yeah. we used to live in this house together. I, I put that into the intros quite a lot at the start, didn't I, about what the kids were Yeah, yeah you did, yeah. Um, I did it today as well. So, and then we're like, well, maybe we need some kind of number, something Disney Street, you know, like uh, that what that t- kids' TV show number. That, that. Uh, another one you're talking about? No, I can't remember. Number 37. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're like, 37, and we thought, well, 1937 was when it started with Snow White, so 37 Disney Street, and uh, I kind of... And I went, oh, it's a bit of a mystical number as I well, I kind of took it? other people's ideas and yeah, enthusiastically pieced them together. I think that was my input, as small as it was. I think, Dis- well, yeah, Disney Street was on the list of 50 that I did, and Hugh went, don't like all any of them. And I went, oh, I quite like Disney Street. I thought we could live there. And then I think Hugh did tapestry the rest of it together. That was yeah. it, yeah, yeah. And you suggested a few different dates for for suitable, um, well, numbers for suitable dates that matched up and everything. But because we were doing the classics, and yeah. because Snow White was the first one, it fit. Um, and then I said, oh, um, I listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts and he's got this kind of thing about, um, number 37 being a mystical mm. number and there's this whole thing of 30, the number 37 appears everywhere and everything people do and then you went oh yeah well I quite like the idea of that of, of that number I mean of that being a hook as well and that was kind of where it came and from and here we are two years later and it, if it? you look in the uh, yeah. the, number, the, the logo the three and the seven are a W and an L from Walt I think the yeah, seven is nice Maybe not so much, Look, but the, the three years definitely. Yes, <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah, is that it? Did we? I think so. All Mercedes questions sufficiently. What else do you want to know, Mercedes? We should have had Mercedes on, yeah. so she could have asked us these questions. And then we might have gone into too much detail with how we met. <laughs> not a simple question, is it? Well, shouldn't have asked, yeah. should you? Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> mm. 
There we so go. What's yeah. next, guys? We'll have to start thinking about our, our uh, ten year, two year, two, ten yeah. year, our two year anniversary show soon. Well, because it's only going to be two months off now. That's true. Mm. The question, beginning of question June. of what's next, though, is we were going to do Enchanted, and I've already started researching mm. it, and then we went on Disney Plus, and it's not it's on. Not there. And it's not, not on. on. And any it's not anywhere. UK streaming. So, and they're making a sequel. What are they playing at? Would really like. To, I would really like to do it. So I'm going to see if I can put a word out. If anyone's got a DVD, you can borrow. I don't mm. know if you can do the same, Chris. But if I think we, we can't do. both get hold of it, we won't be doing it. I think maybe we should wait a little bit longer to see if it because it will come on to Disney Plus eventually. Yeah. Let, why, why don't we just wait and wait when it's come when it comes back on? We'll just say right. It, we're going to take. It a makes step sense back to we'll do it do when that. people might want to watch it as well. You know, because like if we just yeah, if, I, if, I if, if we review it, idea. people like it and then. They go, oh, well, we can't find it anywhere then. That's it's frustrating. True. Yeah. So that. In which case, Bolt, I think, yeah. isn't it? Bolt I then. see Chicken Little. We're, we're heading out of yeah, the dark. Yeah, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, and Bolt. I see those as a trio. And the Wild. No, I never. I didn't know Wild's the Wild just existed. A wild card. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed until Chris told me. So that's just off somewhere. <laughs> so we've got Bolt, then Princess and the Frog. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we're home free. Yeah, then we can mm. uh, get get the heck out of Dodge and start doing some some films. I'm quite excited to, Although, to review. Princess and the Frog is going to be a good one, I think. Well, that's what yeah. I meant by Home Free. I love Princess and the Frog. I didn't realise it was Randy Newman. Mm. So that, that was quite a nice a little eye opener. Where he goes, week. just a princess kissing on a frog. <laughs> I actually, when I started thinking of songs like Dig a Little Deeper with his voice in it, I thought, oh, actually, no, it does fit entirely. Because yeah. it, will, it will work. But, um, yeah, I wasn't aware of it, so it was quite a nice thing. There you go. Well, I guess we can wrap this up now, can't we? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no Unicorn of Shame this week, or have we gone, uh, have we gone past that? We're just reaching it. We have gone into just Unicorn of Shame it. area. But There it is. Yeah. As I knew we were getting towards the end, I didn't, I didn't hold up. Hmm. Oh, well, there we go. The now beast. we've seen it. Uh, we'll, we'll pull it to an end. Pull it. Drag it. Drag it. Kicking and screaming to an end. Um, good. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram as well. We've also got a Patreon account, so if you want to uh, support us um, with a little small contribution, that's very welcome. It helps us do clever stuff and get better equipment and improve things, even when we have technical issues like we've had today. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with Bolt in a fortnight. Don't forget to watch our other stuff. DLP show is on every Sunday, 8.30pm um, BST, for those of you who are not in the UK. Um, and what else? Oh, Quizney Street. We do that every other week. On a Wednesday. On a, on a Wednesday. Um, not this week, but next week there'll be one, which won't make any sense at all if you're not watching it this week. Uh, oh, we, we do whatever. all sorts. Yeah, just just... Yeah, just go on YouTube and have a look because there's, there's a great load of stuff. And Lucy's been doing, doing hordes of things. I've got recently. a Disney bounding like, video ready stuff. to edit, uh, but it's the school holidays. <laughs> That's all. There I've got you to go. Say. And finally, and finally, a huge thank you to everybody who sponsored us. Uh, sponsored us? No, subscribed to our channel so far. We've just bust the hundred mark, which is a really hundred nice thing to Hundred and four now. <laughs> yeah, just a hundred. Hundred and four. We are getting to the point what? where we, we're getting new people every day, and it's you always start slow on these things, and uh, we seem to be peddling. Yep, it's good. Right. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. Um, and I suggest you do you two do as well. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, pals. <laughs> <laughs>